Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Nordby. These are the stories of Vanessa Guillen and Stephen Lombard. On April 22, 2020, Vanessa Guillen went missing. She was last seen in the parking lot at Fort Hood. Her car keys, barracks room keys, identification card, and wallet were found in the armory where she was working that day. Fort Hood soldier, Private First Class, Vanessa Guillen is a member of the 3rd Cavalry Regiment. Her military occupation specialty is a 9-1-F small arms artillery repairer. She had been stationed in South Carolina and then in Virginia before moving to Fort Hood in the beginning of 2020. On the morning of April 22nd, Vanessa texted her boyfriend and said that she was heading to work in the arms room on base. Her sister, Myra Gein, texted her before noon and the text was bounced back. Phone calls that were made to her went straight to voicemail. By 8 p.m. that night, Myra had not heard from her sister, so she contacted Vanessa's staff sergeant. He said that he expected to see her at the 10 p.m. check-in. Vanessa never showed up. Fort Hood is a U.S. Army post based in Killen, Texas, about halfway between Austin and Waco. Killen has a population of 128,000. It is the 21st largest city in Texas and is rated the ninth most dangerous. The in- si- Sorry. Ninth most dangerous in Texas? In Texas. Okay. It, the city's violent crime rate is double that of the nation. Oh. There are over 45,000 soldiers assigned to Fort Hood and 9,000 civilians who work on the base. The base covers 214,000 acres. It is one of the largest military bases in the world by area. For every 100 females over the age of 18, there are 209.4 males which is typical of a military base. Vanessa worked in the arms room. The arms room provides ammunition storage licenses for limited quantities of ammunition within a unit. The arms room is a restricted area with an alarm system, ample lighting, and locked with a high security padlock. A person who works in this area would serve as a guard, do inventory, or check in and out equipment and ammunition. There is a primary armorer and an assistant armorer. The arms, the arms room should be one of the most watched and most secure places on an army base, you would think. Yeah. The U.S. Army's Criminal Investigation Unit, SID, is leading the investigation into Vanessa's disappearance with support from the Texas Rangers, Bell and Coriel County Sheriff's Department, Texas Department of Safety, Texas Game Wardens, the FBI, local police departments, and Texas EquiSearch. This is a search and rescue organization dedicated to finding missing persons. 500 soldiers searched on foot in the training area and the barracks. The 1st Cavalry provided more than 100 hours of flight time to search on and off of the base. After all that was done, they found the unidentified remains of an individual and the remains of Private Second Class Gregory Weddle Morales um, within a week of each other in a very similar area. These bodies were both found while searching for Vanessa. Okay, so these bodies were people that weren't reported missing? Uh, I think that Gregory Morales was reported missing and had gone missing. However, it appears as if they were found right on the base. I mean, this base is 214,000 square acres. Right. However, uh, they were within a very short distance of each other. Yeah. And at the time of this reading, uh, we have received information that another body has been found. Again, in this same area, the concerns are, is, are that these remains are Vanessa's. Yeah. Um, it has not been verified as of today. Right. But there were 500 soldiers on foot. I've, I've never been to a military base, but I, 
I guess the picture in my mind is that there would be cameras kind of all over the place on houses, on buildings, on streets, on, you know, because you want to protect those people that are in there, you would think that it's heavily... That it's quite secure. That it's quite secure. Well, I, I don't... I, I would hope... Yeah. I would hope it is. But I think that... I think that there's... There's there's probably some different levels of security. So there's security that when you enter into the base... And I would assume... I'm assuming... That you can't get into the base except through prescribed areas. Sure. Um, right. And, Gates, gated entrances. Right. Yeah. right. Otherwise, that it's... It's, it's, it's prohibitive. Right. Um, and then I would say that once you pass that first level of security, then there's a different level of security for those people who are considered um, qualified to be on base. Sure. But you would think that that it is it is as secure as more secure than most places. You would think. And um, that I just and that the idea that these three bodies were within a short and a small area uh, on base that makes me angry yeah yeah it does it makes me angry and yeah. one of them is still not identified and um the uh private uh second class gregory waddell morales uh, that was just recently found i think in um within the last month do we know how long he had been missing for I, I don't okay I don't but I, I believe that he was um, I believe that he was it was found in June sure uh, which is a month you know it's just now July so right. the whole thing is just very upsetting it is it's very upsetting it is very upsetting and then to find out that that um, another now so now three bodies two unidentified at this time and one identified were in that area at least two of them were soldiers yeah found on their dead on their own base. So three weeks before Vanessa disappeared, she reported to her mother that she was being sexually harassed by a sergeant. She never identified the sergeant, and she never reported the incident to the Army's Sexual Harassment and Prevention Program. And it is a wonder that she didn't report. All right. Because a formal sexual assault prevention officer and a victim's rights advocate, Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen, was dishonorably discharged in March 2015 for developing a prostitution ring on the base. He was convicted of pandering, and I think that's if you're a pimp, that's what you would get arrested for is pandering. Sure. Attempted pandering, conspiracy to solicit a prostitute, failure to obey an order, dereliction of duty, cruelty, maltreatment, adultery, and prostitution. He was sentenced to 24 months of confinement uh, and reduced to a private, which means that, I would say, that he could retain some of his benefits. Um, with all of the charges, he could have been sentenced to up to 40 and a half years. But he got 24 months and reduced to a private. Um, he was allowed to become, this is just another egregious thing, <laughs> He was allowed to become a foster parent after the Army failed to fully share his criminal records with authorities. This oversight was corrected, and apparently... Thank goodness. But uh, And I don't know that any children came under his care. Well, and, and I think that this happens a lot in the military, where people, male and female, are sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, and there are... Um, things in place to protect their own and sometimes these people who have reported or not reported specifically go missing end up dead i mean it happens well and it, it's and this is so this will upset you even more because an annual report from the pentagon in 2019 reported that the rate of sexual assault in the military is high and has increased since 2016 this increase is troubling and shows that the Army's sexual assault prevention strategies have not uh, achieved their intended goals since 2016, which is today, four years ago. Right. Um, the assaults have increased, have increased. Now, could that could be because maybe they weren't being reported. 
Right. It could be because now people are actually reporting things. But that's which is great that you're reporting things. But if nothing changes after you've reported things, it's still you're still a part of the problem. You know, if if you don't have specific things in place to take care of those assaults that have happened, mm -hmm. to take care of those people who are accused of assaults, nothing's ever going to change. You could have more reports, but if the end result is well, and I want to say that that this one person, Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen, um, he was the sexual assault prevention officer and a victim's right um, advocate. You know, people that just that just he he wanted that job. He, he wanted he that was, job because he was a predator. Yeah, he was a predator. Yeah, and I just want to say that that. Um, It is that that could be allowed to happen is so aggravating. And yeah. I would say that this is on their base. This is on right. Fort Hood, uh, this, the, where this happened. Yeah. It has a, um, Vanessa may not have known, but she knew that reporting wouldn't do her any good. Right. Right. That it would actually be harder on her to report. Well, I think that, I mean, I think, and so from, from my work um, with, you know, a victim advocacy organization, I have a lot of feelings about reporting sexual assaults. Mm -hmm. Now that I really understand how those sexual assaults are treated in the, in law enforcement, in the court system... And in the media? In the media, in social media, and that justice is often not served. But um, at the same time, you have to report it if you want something to be done. Which right. is it's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword yeah. because in the process, she could be ruining her career. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think too, that you know, for, for a civilian to report an assault from another civilian is one injustice for somebody in the military to report it against another military member is a whole other level. In a very of, patriarchal kind yeah. of environment, yeah. which... It would be even more difficult. It would be more difficult. Yeah. And on top of, not only is that your... Um, is the military your, your law enforcement. Right. It is also your employer. Yeah. Um, it is your provider. It is, uh, you know, your food, your housing, your everything. And you all live there. Is I mean, dependent on, on the, that system. Right. And that system has not necessarily been um, supportive of those that report sexual assaults. Right. And it's very clear. Yeah. But, but she never did. She never reported it. She never told her mom who yeah. it was, and she never reported it. So... In all of this, the Army has not been very forthcoming with the Guillen family. They have refused to report the sergeant that Vanessa was working with that day. Vanessa Guillen is one of 10 children who grew up in Southeast Texas. She graduated from Cesar Chavez High School, where she played soccer. She is an avid runner and enlisted in the military right after high school graduation. She had plans to go to college and get married. Vanessa Guillen is Hispanic, five foot two with black hair and brown eyes. She has a mole on the left side of her chin. Vanessa was last seen on April 22nd, 2020, between 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. in the parking lot of the Regimental Engineer Squadron Headquarters, 3rd Cavalry, Fort Hood Base in Killen, Texas. She was seen wearing a black t-shirt and light purple fitness type pants, and Nike shoes. Her car keys, ID, and wallet were found in the armory. If you have any information about the disappearance of Vanessa Gein, contact the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Unit at 254-495-7767 or the Texas EquiSearch at 281-309-9500. Several individuals and agencies are offering up to eighty thousand, up to an eighty thousand dollar reward for information about her disappearance. It'll be interesting um, in the coming days to see what comes of this, um, 
Because it sounds like one person has killed themselves as a result of this new search. So on Wednesday, um, the these <clears throat> these remains have been found that 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 may or may not be Vanessa's. Right. And on that same day, a sergeant from Fort Hood committed suicide. Um, as of right now, uh, his estranged wife. Okay. I'm not sure if they if, uh, but his his legal spouse okay. uh, has been arrested. And it hasn't said anything about what her connection. Nope. And and until until um, you know a lot of it will matter. Well matter if they find that this is Vanessa right. but also it's unclear as to why that's a strange um and we don't even know if this is a sergeant that was accused this is a a, it's sergeant. a sergeant we don't know that it's the sergeant no we don't sure however it was the same day that right. these remains were found right and um you could make some assumptions you can make some assumptions yeah and I also want to say that the reason that this is just has not gone by the wayside. I mean, this this happened in April, late April. But Vanessa's two sisters, Lupe and Myra, have just doggedly searched for her um, from the from that day, yeah. from noon of that day, and they have not quit. Um, they have raised a stink about it and they should right because otherwise this may have gone by the wayside and not been given full attention right and it talks about it talks about um how dangerous things like sexual assault are yeah sexual harassment that she was. She didn't have an issue when she was in um, at the other bases, right? And she, until she got to Fort Hood, where this started, and um, but if it hadn't been for her sisters, just hounding authorities, who knows how long it would have taken to find, right? Bodies, but it, it, in many cases, it is it is the the persistence of family members that get these cases resolved. Yeah. But I I still want to say, and I and I, I mean I think it's, you hope that it isn't these remains aren't hers. However, she wouldn't have just disappeared for this time right. on her own. She. This is not a choice she would have made. Yeah. She had was a close knit family. I mean, she was. They. She had texted her sister. Had texted her and and called, and the fo- the calls went to voicemail. And by eight o'clock that night, because she hadn't heard from her, she knew something was seriously wrong. Yeah. And so, um, you know, part of you hopes that 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 she's been found finally. Right. You don't want her to be found in this condition. Right. But you do want her to be found so that you now know that she's just not out there missing somewhere. Right. That she's hurt, that yeah. she's that she's in danger, that um but it, it talks about the importance of family yeah. and friends just not letting up. Not letting up on this. And uh I think especially when you're in a in a in a sub environment you know when it, when it's not just when it's this this kind of this closed environment of the military that it and it is closed i mean there's yeah. there's not been a lot of information coming from the military to the family yeah. from the get go and um but without this and bringing in attention from the outside uh things could just go away so we'll see this is as of today um the remains are not identified and Vanessa still hasn't been found. Um, it is very concerning that there were three uh, dead people, two of them soldiers, in the same small area um, on a military base. What the hell? 
it'd be interesting to know what these people's lives were like on the base. Had mm-hmm. there been issues? Mm-hmm. Had they reported something? Mm-hmm. Had they been suspicious of something? Behavior or had they been or, sexually harassed? Right. Or, something. you know, for any number of things. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, once they know more, then they'll, they'll find those things out. But hopefully. Um, and hopefully they have family members that are just, just tenacious. Yeah. And not letting up. Because... That makes a difference. Yeah. That makes a difference. At least the pressure is on. And um, I remember reading somewhere that, that I believe it was, was Myra who spoke to Vanessa Sargent. And, um, and he just kind of blew her off. There's a lot of things going on in the world today. Yeah. That's true. Uh, however, there's a, there's a saying, you, you don't leave anyone behind. Right. And the idea that one of their own went missing on their own and, and was, you know, maybe found on their own base yeah. should be should be shocking and frightening to everyone on that base yeah. and everyone in that community. So yeah. we'll see. There's more information that will be coming out, I'm sure, every single day. And uh, we'll see what happens from here. My story this week is about Stephen Lombard. So I have to say that this started out as a story just about him. It turned into a story about three missing people. What? Yeah. Stephen Lombard was 34 years old in 1993. He lived with his wife, Louise, in Merced, California. Stephen enjoyed panning for gold in his spare time. Merced is located in the San Joaquin Valley. As of 2019, the city had a population of 83,676. Merced, known as the Gateway to Yosemite, is less than two hours by a vehicle from Yosemite National Park to the east and Monterey Bay, the Pacific Ocean, and multiple beaches to the west. On December 17, 1993, Stephen left his home on Langtree Avenue in northwest Merced to go to a towing yard called RTS Towing, where he had worked, to pick up, to pick up his paycheck. He had plans to meet his wife later so they could do some Christmas shopping. When he got to work, he was unable to collect his paycheck due to a clerical error. He did not show up to meet his wife, and he hasn't been seen or heard from since. Stephen's maroon and white 1965 Ford F-250 truck was found abandoned in a Kmart parking lot in South Merced following his his disappearance. There was a cup of coffee on the console, the keys were inside, the windows were rolled down, and the door was left unlocked, which was out of character for Stephen. Now, two hours before Stephen disappeared, his co-worker, Paul Armstrong, vanished from his home in Merced. He was last seen by his girlfriend when she left for work at 7.45 a.m. on the morning of December 17, 1993. Paul was was also employed at RTS Towing. Paul and Stephen were co-workers and friends, but their loved ones don't believe they would have left together. Paul reportedly believed his co-workers were engaged in illegal activity at the time of his disappearance. Stephen had a, had a dispute with his boss, Randall Wright, on the day he vanished. Randall Wright owned RTS Towing. Both of the men had recently filed workers' comp cases against the towing company. They are considered missing under suspicious circumstances. Fast forward to 2009. Randall and Karen Wright had been married for 12 years. They owned two vacation homes in San Felipe, Mexico. Karen recently filed for divorce. Among other things, Karen suspected Randall of violating a court order that prohibited him from doing construction work on one of their vacation homes until their divorce was finalized. In February 2009, Karen went to check on on one of the vacation homes. Randall was already in San Felipe when she arrived. She placed a phone call to her family on February 9th, and that is the last time anyone has heard from Karen Wright. Randall failed to report her disappearance to the authorities in Mexico. According to Randall, he tried to report it to Mexican authorities, but an attorney told him that she would have to be missing for three or four days before they could do anything. So he called the attorney uh, attorney before he reported her missing. Right. That's weird. It is weird. It's very weird. It gets weirder. He then drove back to Merced on February 11th, where he reported her missing in Merced, California. 
According to court documents, Karen claimed that Randall had threatened her and physically abused her, saying that he told her that, quote, he could kill her and nobody would know, unquote. Was that listed in, in like, an order? It was listed in, as far as I think, as far as I can tell in the divorce papers. Okay. She also said that he broke her hand and ripped out chunks of her hair. Randall, of course, denies all of this. Um, now, this is just a piece of information that I don't go too much into detail about, but it kind of goes along with the story. So around this time, um, in 2009, Randall, along with his then-girlfriend, spent some time in jail for falsely reporting a stolen vehicle and for auto theft. So, uh, this is the, uh, on, in February, she went missing. Mm-hmm. He got a girlfriend. He had a girlfriend. Oh, he had a girlfriend beforehand. Yeah, from what I gather. Seems like a good reason for a divorce. Uh, but then he spent time in jail for falsely reporting a stolen vehicle and for auto theft. So it's very confusing, but what I gathered was he had this, um, I think it was a Mercedes. Um, it was a very expensive vehicle anyway. He had, he had been making payments on it. He had been leasing this vehicle. Um, he stopped making payments on it, okay. and so he was forced to return the vehicle. Okay. Um, somehow the vehicle, so somehow the vehicle was driven off of the lot okay. where it was at for repairs. I think that it was in, in the shop for repairs or something. It's very confusing how, okay. how, this, all, how this all goes down. Um, so the vehicle was then driven out of the lot, and he reported the vehicle missing as his vehicle. Okay. But the vehicle was found in San Felipe, Mexico, on a property that his girlfriend managed. Okay. So he falsely um, reported a stolen vehicle. Right. And then he was caught with the stolen vehicle. Right. So. So. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I, again, not terribly important to the, this whole story, but it but paints a picture. But he and his girlfriend... It paints a picture. Paints a picture. Yep. Yeah. So that that part's very confusing because I don't know how all the dots are connected. Um, but it's just important. How to know he gets this caught. Is what dealing and, with. Right. Right. So in 2009, again around the same time, a witness came forward and told authorities that he saw Stephen Lombard, Paul Armstrong, Randall Wright, and another man go into a shed at RTS Towing on December 17, 1993. He said Randall and the other man came out and locked the door, and he never saw the other two men, so Stephen Lombard and Paul Armstrong, again. So what? A witness reported this, something that happened in 1993, that right. just remembered it? Well, and see, I... So I suppose, I suppose, if these if people gone missing, you might be hesitant to report it. Well, and I don't know, so that that was when that information became available to the public. I okay. don't know if this witness described this before. Okay. But from when these two guys went missing, there's nothing until 2009 when this criminal stuff becomes an issue. Okay. Her, his wife goes missing. So I'm not sure when this witness came forward, but okay, it's but talked it's, about at this but time. it's talked about. It's yeah. made, it's made... Public. Public, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... I could not, have been. Okay, been. I just want to make right. sure. Okay. Right. So um, so he sees Randall and the other man come out and lock this shed door, and he never sees Stephen or Paul again. Okay. Randall then drove his Lexus into the shop and then left a little while later and was gone for about four hours. The other man um, drove Paul Armstrong Armstrong's vehicle away from the tow yard. Okay. So some other person. Some other person. Hmm. Now we're going to fast forward to 2010. Okay. Merced County Sheriff's detectives exhumed the body of Randall's six-year-old stepson who drowned in 1982. The drowning happened at a neighbor's house when Randall was supposed to be watching him. It was considered an accident in 1982, um, and but they were hoping now in 2010 that with the scientific advances available, it could shed more light on the boy's death. However, but so, so, um, his ex-wife has gone missing. This is from a former relationship. This boy is from a former relationship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This was before Karen. Okay. This is before Karen. Yeah. And so, so the mother, I mean, I'm just wondering why did this come about at that time? Um, 
Why would they? I mean, exhuming a body, I think, is really difficult. And the mother would have had to. Have, she did. This is so. Somehow she initiated this. Something. No, I think that the deputy. I think the detectives did because okay. now we have three people who have gone missing that right. knew Randall Wright, and okay, wait a minute. There's this boy who drowned way back when. Right. Could there be something else to this? Okay. Basically. Okay. Um, is Sorry. what I gathered. Okay. It's very confusing. I'm taking you down a rabbit hole because it's very confusing. Um, Sheriff Mark Pizen told the Merced Star in 2010 that while he stopped short of calling Randall a suspect in his stepson's death, he said there's a common thread of suspicious circumstances that cannot be ignored. He said, quote, I just felt strongly about this, and there's a common denominator, and I think it's pretty obvious that all the numerators are gone, unquote. He went on to say, quote, I'm not trying to be pithy with you, but it seems like everybody that he comes in contact with is gone. We have theories about motives that I don't want to get into right now, but it's fairly obvious that the common thread through all these persons or common denominator is Randy Wright, unquote. Um, Randall obviously denies any involvement in the death of his stepson. His stepson was reburied a month after he was exhumed. Um, at the time, additional tests were going to be taking place. And as of right now, I couldn't find any new information about the death um, that was made available anyway. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Lombard, Paul Armstrong, and Karen Wright are still missing. Randall Wright is considered a person of interest in all of their disappearances. He's not listed as a suspect, just a person of interest. Stephen Lombard was 34 years old in 1993. He would be 60 years old now. He is described as Caucasian, 5'9 and 140 pounds. He has brown hair and brown eyes. He had a light red-colored mustache at the time of his disappearance. He was last seen wearing a blue t-shirt and blue jeans. Paul Armstrong was 27 in 1993. He would be 54 now. He is described as Caucasian, 5'9 to 5'10 and 150 pounds. He has brown hair and brown eyes. At the time of his disappearance, he had a broken leg and was using crutches. He was last seen in Merced, California. Karen Wright was 51 years old when she vanished from San Felipe, Mexico in 2009. She would be 62 years old this year. She is described as Caucasian, 5'6", and 140 pounds. She has red hair and blue eyes. If you have any information about the disappearance and or whereabouts of Stephen Lombard, Paul Armstrong, or Karen Wright, please call the Merced County Sheriff's Department at 209 385 7444. So, this is, there are, we're talking about four bodies, I mean, three, and then the one that they exhumed, and one common person, which is Randall Wright. Yeah. So, Randall Wright owned the, the towing company. Yes. And from what I gather, this wasn't specifically mentioned in every place, but it was mentioned one time that the tow the towing company was located on his property um i'm assuming where his house was um oh. so it was kind of all in the same complex something like that yeah okay yep um and i think it was paul armstrong that was he was he had a broken leg um and there was a uh workman's comp claim that was filed I think both of them did. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. It didn't tell me what Stevens would have been. Right. But but yeah. I mean it's a towing company. This is this is this is very difficult work and yes. very physical and dangerous. Yep. Um and, and also one of the things that I I remember reading about is is that uh towing companies can be very territorial. I bet. And, um, about, because... About where they're called out to, or... About where they're called to, sure. where they take, what kind of wrecks they take, and I think it depends on the area, it depends yeah. on a lot of different things, but they can be, and it's, um, um, it's tough work. Well, and I think that they can be targeted, too, you know, angry owners, angry people that you're, the people that you're towing their vehicle, Oh, you know? sure. People sure. Are, people for, are upset that you're towing their for, vehicle. What, what is that called when you when you like repo? Repo. Yeah. 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 I never thought of that as yeah. actually being a job that they would have to do, but probably is. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, um, 
so my my uncle is a uh, a tow truck driver for uh, they tow large semis. Okay. And and um, near Watertown, South Dakota, and so this is so I was thinking of that being dangerous because the actual work is dangerous, sure. but and on the side of the road and yeah, terrible absolutely. weather and all those things that it's really dangerous, but. Um, there is some territorial kind of things that can come with that. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think sometimes that can get, that can get a little aggressive. Yeah. Um, but this guy, uh, Randall Wright, he's, he's shifty. <laughs> At best. He's shifty. Yep. And, um, I mean, you can't deny that something's up. When three people go missing that you are... Two of your employees. Yeah, that you're connected to. And your wife who's filed for divorce. Yep. Um, and the employees filed something against... Right. Yeah. Right. And then they go missing. It, it's... Um, it would be a, a horrible string of bad luck if he is not a person of interest. I mean, if he really had nothing to do with this, it right. would just be horrible to... To name his, him as a person of interest, if this was just random. Right. But and it's... The first guy that you talked about, Stephen, um, they said that they found his vehicle. He was from Northwest. They found his vehicle in the South mm-hmm. Kmart parking lot in a 1965 um, truck, yeah. which would have been his pride and joy. Okay, right. And would never have been left unlocked. Right. With the windows down. And keys inside. It would never, that just wouldn't have been done. All right. And um, it, it's, it's just very suspicious. Yeah, and I couldn't, one, one thing that was frustrating to me is that Randall Wright, Randall Wright's story has taken over these other stories. I couldn't find anything else about Stephen Lombard. I couldn't find anything else about Paul Armstrong. I couldn't find anything else. Because there are minor characters in this story. Right. I mean, when he's, if he's an over the top kind of person, which it sounds like he probably is. Right. Um, And the trouble is, is it was 1993. Yeah. And he's been out all this time. Yeah. And I, and I couldn't find anything about what happened with that um, stolen vehicle case, whether he's still in jail, whether he was charged with anything. I couldn't find anything else about that. He did spend some time in, in jail. Right. Um, at the time, but but he had two vacation homes in Mexico. Yeah, two. Yeah. Um. Well, there's a very good chance that he got away with the disappearance of three people. Right. Now, you know, he would be. I don't know. I just what what makes me so angry is is that he has lived his happy little life. And three people connected to him have disappeared. Yeah. Have disappeared. It's not fair. So just want to mention, and I've, I've had a hard time. I, I haven't wanted to say anything about this because um, this update on this case, because I'm so, I'm just sick over it. But felony charges have been placed against Lori Vallow Daybell. In addition to the desertion charges um, of her seven-year-old son, Joshua Vallow, and 17-year-old Tylee Ryan, the bodies of Joshua and Tylee were found buried on Chad Daybell's property. Joshua was buried in a pet cemetery, and Tylee's remains were dismembered and burned. Lori, De- Lori Vallow Daybell had told her friend several times in 2019 that her children had become zombies, which is a specific terms uh, that she used um, that meant that they were, they were dark spirits. Sure. And she believed that the only way to get rid of dark spirits was to kill them so that they would have peace in the afterlife. And this came as a part of um, her new religion, right? Uh, well, and for her, I don't know if it's a new religion, but her, 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 it was that, so what I understand is that they both had this, um, this belief okay. in this, um, I don't even want to call it a religion, but, right. um, 
and both were doing work individually and came together to uh, uh, to do some additional work and then whatever happened. But the bodies of these two children have been found and, and there was just no other... This is just a... This was... I mean, even reading the story when we did, this was, this was what was going to be the end result. Right. But these children were buried on their property. And I hope that Lori and Chad Daybell live a very long time in prison. A very long time. What they did and why is so cruel, inhumane, selfish. There are no words for it. Right. And they both have children that are living. Yeah. That weren't a burden to them. Well, I think that they were older. They were out they of the house. Older, and they may have been living with. They were older and, and out of the house. But yeah. it makes me so angry, and I'm so sick over it. It's just, um, it's unforgivable, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah. But the great thing is, is that they were so stupid, <laughs> and they are going to spend a very long time in jail, and. I'm glad. Yeah. And I, it feels really revengeful and vengeful, and, but uh, they deserve it. Uh, those, those children were innocent victims. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. So I had so much fun telling you about weird <laughs> foods that Americans eat. I have a, I have a few more Perfect. that I want to share with you. Okay. And I've saved the best, I think, <laughs> the best for last. Okay. So uh, one food is called burgo or burgoo. Burgoo. Hmm. B-U-R-G-O-O. Burgoo. Yep. It looks kind of like goulash without the pasta. Oh. But it's made of squirrel, Ew. or possum, or game bird, or raccoon. Who can kill on purpose a raccoon? They got that little face. And those little cute hands. The cute little hands. Oh, no. Or venison. And it's a dark, meaty, liquidy uh, okay. stew. Oh, that just makes all of that sound. It's just very unappetizing. Yeah, I will never eat stew again. Ever. How about a reindeer hot dog? Oh. Why? The red nosed <laughs> hot dog. <laughs> it tastes very delicious in a bun. It's the worst uh, idea ever. Why? I don't care. Yeah. And also, aren't maybe, I suppose, reindeer are wild. They're like our, they're like deer. elk or Regular antelope deer. or, but they're reindeer. There's they just something be, wrong about it. There's just something wrong yeah. about it. Like that raccoon and reindeer killers <laughs> and then make a hot dog out of them. <laughs> oh, gross. This grosses me out too. Deep fried butter. Oh, I just can't even. Butter covered in breading and then deep fried. Yeah, I just, I, I don't even... I don't even know. I, I mean, mean, I don't even want to think about it. It's a heart attack waiting to happen. Butter doesn't taste good by itself. Butter doesn't taste good. It adds to the flavor of other things. Right. I, I would agree. I would agree. But I, you, you don't... Just, you can't... I, it's I, not... It's I don't like, even have it, words. I mean... Ugh. ugh. Uh, so, I think this is said as panhas. Panhas. Hmm. P-A-N-H-A-A-S. Or scrapples. These are pork scraps and trimmings uh, mixed with cornmeal and flour, put into a loaf, I think baked, and then sliced and pan fried um, like meatloaf. Hmm. So it's, it just but doesn't not. sound, but not, and it <laughs> looks terrible. It feels like it would be like a mixture between spam and meatloaf. 
with the the uh, with the granular Ew. texture of cornmeal. Yeah. Ew. Ew. Um, this isn't any better. This is a donut burger, mm. a hamburger with two glazed donuts serving as the bun. Yeah. I just don't like my savory and my sweet mix. I oh, like savory. Yeah. I like sweet, but not mix. I can see to a, a certain extent, but that would be overboard. I feel like that would be, it would be way too overboard. Well, but like, I, I, maybe if you didn't glaze them. Yeah. Cause like you think about like sea salt, um, on top of chocolates. Like, there's just enough sea salt, but enough chocolate to kind of be perfect. Right. But somehow it accents it. it a little yeah, bit. but that would just be. I could it see it if there wasn't glaze, then it would yeah. just be bread. Sweet bread. Well, I don't know if. I, I guess I don't know. I never ate an unglazed donut, but you a raised shouldn't. donut. But it, <laughs> it seems like it would just be like bread. Yeah. But no, <laughs> gross. that's gross. Ick. So I had mentioned that any pickled meat is gross. Yep. So pickled turkey gizzards. Uh, um, spam. Yeah. Now, I, I think spam for camping, spam if you're going camping, spam if you're hiking, spam if you're canoeing, I think that that's a very wise, safe way to travel with a meat product. It's made in Minnesota. Go spam, but um, I don't think that spam is horrible. I think that that's the least offensive thing that we've talked about <laughs> it today. Today, I and mean, I think that if it's if you use it right, I think it's it's good. I think it's just fine. Well, and there's and it's a delicacy in Japan, and <laughs> yeah. also it's got maybe one hundred flavors. Oh yeah, sure. Which Ugh. I don't know about that. I don't know about the flavor. Uh, yeah, no, but I'm not a big. I'm not. I'm a kind of a very plain person, yeah. and I like my food kind of the original. Yeah, I don't know that I would choose Spam, but if it was there, I, I would eat it. It's not it's not the worst thing I've ever eaten. Well, and I just know... It really just tastes like ham. Yeah. Really. Parts. Ham parts. <laughs> ham. Ham. Ham parts. Um, <laughs> I, I know from, from camping, canoeing, biking, that it is travels. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. Yeah. Which, again, concerns me a little bit. <laughs> but it doesn't... It, it's it's safe and... and um, yeah, it'll get the job done. It'll get the job done. So will Rocky Mountain oysters. These are bull, sheep, or pig testicles. Yeah. Ugh. Battered and deep fried. Chitterlings or chitlins, which is fried pig intestines. Ew. So is that what, um, so pork rinds are those? No, pork rinds are the skin. Skin. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about it, it, it grosses me out. But, yeah. But, and looking at them, Ugh. looking at them, they are little white, um, they're like little white, uh, elbow macaroni if you squished it. Ew. It's just, if you squished the macaroni, the elbow macaroni after cooking it, and you squished it so it was a flat elbow macaroni, um, that's uh, kind of what it looks like. Gross. So, and, and, and then, and then, and then fry it. Ew. And the picture of this, this next one, was just, just grossed me out. But turducken. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It, the picture of it, it has it all splayed out and all yeah. it is just I mean I a turkey duck chicken fine each of them separately right. great but why shove them all why, into each other why why do that I um know. I don't know my we had my husband and I had um we had some pulled pulled pork that was in the freezer and we warmed it up and had sandwiches last night and he and there was enough left over, probably probably for about two sandwiches. And he said, "Oh, I could make a pork fatty out of this." And I'm like, "And that just the word, just the name, just grosses me out." But it's basically taking pulled pork and wrapping it in ground sausage, and then I don't know what you do with it after that. I don't know what you throw do it away. I throw it away. <laughs> it's the best idea ever because gross. Ew. Ew. I, I, gross. Yeah. I mean, separate, gross. good. 
together. Ew. And see, and I still even have a little bit of an issue with sausage. It just... Yeah. I'm not huge. I'm not a huge sausage fan either, but... But... Sausage. 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 Which is... Right. So this sounds... It's a cute name. Um, Kulikles. Oh. Pickled. So... Pickles soaked in Kool-Aid. Ew. So they're like fruit punch flavored pickles? Well, I mean, I've never heard of a pickle flavored Kool-Aid, but I, <laughs> I think... So like... Pickles soaked in Kool-Aid. So, uh, I think you can pickle almost anything. Yeah. And what it looked like was like a watermelon rind. Oh. That was kind of red around the edges or, you know, had sure. been, had a little. So, a sweet pickle, I would say. Yeah. Um, and maybe something like a watermelon rind, which is like the skin yeah. on a watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... The white part of the watermelon rind made into pickles, and then it looked like it had been then. So it has a, I don't know. Ew. And then jello salad. Yeah. Of any kind. Of any this kind. salad that I was looking at it was a green, oh, green gosh. jello with olives, Ugh. celery, looked like cabbage, and a dollop of mayo. Oh, gosh. There's also should be carrots in there, too. And peas. There's, and peas. Who puts peas in a jello salad? That is just proof that that is a... Might as well put some damn raisins in it. Yep. Because it's gross. Ick. And then to put mayonnaise on top? Ugh. Just get, Is it a dessert? Is it sweet or is it savory? And just keep the vegetables out of it. Yeah. I mean, green jello on its own, which I would suppose is a lime flavor. Yeah. Um. Why? Why? It's just like a... It's like that garbage plate with... Jello. It's yeah. just gross. Ew. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't force your family to eat it. And just quit with the jello molds altogether. Well, and see, and I, 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 that could be fun as long as it's a jello and just the same kind of jello. And then, um, my sister in law, and she would, at Easter time, she had these, uh, molds for jello that were eggs. They were egg yes. jello eggs, mm-hmm. um, which was great. So we <laughs> so we threw them at each other. We went outside and tried to toss that jello egg. Um, um, but because of that and because of her her love of jello, we get, we find molds and we get them to her. Sure. But there are a lot of jello recipes, and I didn't know this until. We started searching for uh, odd gifts to give my sister-in-law, but there are a lot of Jello recipes that have meat in them. Ugh. Okay, I'm thinking of that that cookbook that yes, we have. Yes. The yes. raisin cookbook. Yes. That has a couple Jello salads that are like that that you just read. Yes. With like the peas and the carrots and the weird. Gross. Ugh. Yeah. This, there's some that also have meat. Do you think that though that came from a time when it was don't waste anything? Like we're yes. gonna make this into a meal. Yes. Okay. And um, and that is gonna be. I'm going to put that on my list for the next thing to bring to you, which is Jello with meat recipes. I'm looking forward to it. I can I can tell <laughs> by the green look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Top that sucker with mayo. Ew. Uh, yuck. My mine this week are. Uh, I don't really know how to explain it. They're Minnesota-isms. Oh. So, like, it's true only if you live in Minnesota. If you live in Minnesota, So, the things that we're going to find funny, but nobody else is going to get. <laughs> or they're going to be like, yeah, that's why. That's weird. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, if your local Dairy Queen is closed from September to May, you may live in Minnesota. Aren't they all closed? <laughs> Ours isn't. I mean. But the, usually the drive-up ones, like where you have to get out, and those are usually the ones that are closed. Yeah, ours is not. But a lot of them are in Minnesota. And did you know that, that Dairy Queens are not everywhere? We've got friends. Really? Uh, in California. And they don't have Dairy Queen. And he just, he uh, we send him pictures of Dairy Queens that we, we, ever we go by the Fargo Dairy Queen, which is really, um, or it's Moorhead, I think that Dairy Queen. 
I'm not sure which one. It's it's in either. I think it is in Fargo, but it's a it's an old Dairy Queen, mm-hmm. like one of the original, where you yeah. don't go inside. It's all outside. So whenever we drive by, we send him a picture of it, and uh, because not everybody gets Dairy Queen, and I didn't know that, and that makes me sad. Yeah, and same with Top the Tater. What? Yeah, you can't get Top the Tater outside of the Midwest. Well, you might be able to now. You might be able to now, but I just say, well, thank. God, because what if they could get it too? More for and, us. And there's not enough tater. <laughs> there's not enough top the tater. I know. For, uh, I mean, top the tater isn't complicated. It's, it's it's not. It's basically sour cream and chives. I mean, that's what it basically. says. Basically, with other goodness. Yes. And um, it's the only way to to eat potato chips. It is it's the only way. Yep. Um, if someone in Home Depot offers you assistance and they don't even work there. Is that in Minnesota? In Minnesota. <laughs> if you've worn shorts and a jacket at the same time, uh, you may live in Minnesota. Minnesota, the Dakotas, Canada. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> if you've had a lengthy telephone conversation with someone who dialed the wrong number, <laughs> you may we don't want to be. We don't want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, and really, it's six. It's six degrees of separation. You could usually find out that you know this person somehow. Well, oh, you went to school with so and so. Oh, is this? Is this? You could call them up by name because yeah. you recognize their voice. Yep. Oh, that's a small, small, small town. Uh, if vacation means going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota for the weekend. <laughs> if you measure distance in hours, I'm well, so guilty of that. I'm well, so but guilty. I think that I think that it depends on where in Minnesota, in the yeah. metro area. Um, well, I guess that's how we all isn't that. Wait, wait. I know. I know. Apparently not. Apparently, some people say it's this many miles, where I would say, you know, from here to Duluth, it's three hours, not, you know, whatever the miles is, are. I I, I don't know, but I think that's the only way I know how to tell distance. I know. I thought that this was... the time that it would take you to drive there. Right. I never I feel like I have no concept of miles unless you tell me how many hours it is. Like, if you were just to tell me, like, 300 miles... I'd be like, how long is that? I don't know. Well, and... But if you tell me three hours or two hours, I I know. Like, okay, this is... And I lived in the metro area, and um, it, it, we, it, we didn't use miles. You used time. Yeah. It'd take you half an hour. It'd take you 45 minutes. It'll have our drive. Yeah. And not the distance. Not right. the... Because, because, huh, I think maybe that's the only way I know how to tell <laughs> I know. Me too. I know. It's It's very strange. Uh, if you know several people who have hit a deer more than once. <laughs> do you? I do. Yes. It has not been me. Thank you. I have once. I have I have once. If you've switched from heat to AC in the same day and back again, you may live in Minnesota. Which, in the spring, you just never know. Uh, I and don't in the fall. know that I've ever done that. Oh, really? I don't know about AC, but having the heat on in the morning, turning it off in the afternoon... Turning it back on. That maybe. And yeah. I would say that um, it's certainly in the same week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like it. Yep. If you can drive 75 miles an hour through two feet of snow during a raging blizzard without flinching, you may live in Minnesota. But that's just going to work. <laughs> We're good at it. We're good at it. <laughs> and there's no traffic. Right. If you install security lights on your home, on your house and garage, but leave both doors unlocked, you may live in Minnesota. I would say rural Minnesota. Don't do that anywhere else. Well, I would. I, that doesn't. That is not. That is not uh, strange to me because it, 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 you need security lights to be able to see from the house to the garage or the garage to the house because it is dark. <laughs> it gets dark. Yeah. Uh, at four. Yep. For six winter. months yeah. out of the year, so yeah. it's not it's not a that's not a security. It's really just <laughs> comfort. If you carry jumper cables in your car and your wife knows how to use them, you may live in Minnesota. Absolutely. Yep. You have to. You have to know how to use them. You, it's you, just it, basic it, it's, information. It's like, it, it's, like uh, it, it's of no use if you have them in your car and you right. don't. Right. Because you there's no guarantee that you're going to run into somebody else that yep. knows how. If you design your kid's Halloween costume to fit over a snowsuit. Yes. 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 Um, If driving is better in the winter because the potholes are filled with snow. Amen. Yep. And you kind of, 
You kind of bounce off things a little bit. It's kind of like bumper cars. Yeah, you just slide yep. a little bit yep. easier. Yep. Yep. If you know all oh, fours. Did you hear how many times we said yep? Yep. And that, yep. <laughs> that whole yep. segment, maybe that's also a sign up. It is. So. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you know all four seasons, almost winter, winter, still winter, and road construction, you may live in Minnesota. Yeah. If you have more miles on your snowblower than your car, you may live in Minnesota. Yeah. If you find 10 degrees a little chilly, you may live in Minnesota. I've honestly, done this. I've done honestly, this. Without the wind, it'd be fine. <laughs> it's a dry heat. It's a it's a, it's a a dry cold. It's fine. It's, it's 40 fine. below, but if that wind wasn't there, it would just yep. be, it would it's, be manageable. It's, it's beautiful outside. <laughs> it's, it's crisp. If you know how to pronounce Shakopee, Wasika, and Lake Winnebagashish, you might be in Minnesota. If you actually understand these jokes, you might also be in Minnesota. Yeah. Or, or love a Minnesotan. Or love I mean, a Minnesotan. Because that could be it, too. So <laughs> We'll do it again next week. Sounds good. 